Hi guys, this is Byron Horton with the Whitetail Experience Podcast. Uh, coming at you, I think this is episode 7 I just counted, so we're official. And uh, having a little issue getting this thing to iTunes, so hopefully we're, we're not posting on social media just yet. We really want to be able to get to the public, if you will. So if you're listening to this, hopefully we've gotten to iTunes by this time. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. Wanted to do a podcast here. It is the last uh, day in March and talk on, oh, kind of a wrap up of shed season. Dave's uh, big walk um, the other day where he found a few good sheds. I had a really good conversation with Heath Cisco out of Southern Ohio on uh, that guy has just killed some really good deer and, and I was able to really pick his brain with kind of my perspective as a guy looking to evolve in this, you know, Oh, becoming a better hunter, um, just advancing my craft, if you will. Um, so a lot, lot, lot of cool things going on, and uh, let's just get it started. I feel like uh, spring greenup happened quick uh, this year. I feel like this week in particular, it's just like, oh, wow, the honeysuckle, the green briar, uh, the autumn olive, all that stuff is is really starting to pop, at least here in the woods in, in Ohio. I know uh, a couple of my Michigan and uh, Wisconsin buddies, they, they still have a little bit of time uh, before this hits them. But uh, here in Ohio, the, the snakes are out. <laughs> um, speaking of snakes, Dave had a pretty crazy encounter uh, the other day, a pretty good-sized snake. And uh, it wasn't, you know, he was in a sweatshirt. I think it was in the, the low 50s, upper 40s, uh, so crazy. Um, but let's kind of dive into Dave's walk at this point and, and, and look at what that means. And just, I, we had a lot of takeaways, um, from something very simple, uh, something that didn't, you know, necessarily think was going to produce and then did, but, you know, Dave went for just a, he had an afternoon off work here, obviously with the Corona and stuff. And he's like, I'm going to go to this big woods piece of public, a place I used to hunt a lot, like right after college and just kind of stopped hunting it due to the low deer density uh we did do some scouting one winter ran some trail cams and did get a good buck on trail cam there so uh, we kind of fell in love with it right after you know early in the evolution stage like i had just got standing sticks i think we still had you know a climber was still part of the 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 what i was hunting out of and uh i would hunt this piece and and i saw a couple mm, hundred inch bucks but i didn't see a lot of deer didn't see a lot of does and it was really discouraging and i think uh i think we're going to give that piece a run because dave went for this walk and he found three sheds um first shed it was actually like a squirrel hanger i don't know if a possum or a big fox squirrel or a raccoon Something drug this thing, and you can check it out on our YouTube or Facebook. We've posted clips and a full-blown like scouting recap um, on YouTube. But it, it was like six or seven foot in the air. It was it was above head height, and it was the craziest shed any of us have ever found. And uh, it was obviously chewed all to bits. Um, but it was it was wild to find a shed like that. I I, I, I have no idea. It was like. You know, that had to be one tank of a fox squirrel to drag that thing up there. Uh, but it looked like it was a good shed at, at one point. You know, you can kind of tell it was a solid frame, uh, two and a half year old or bigger. Could have been a tank. Um, you have no idea just because it had been shredded for at least a, a year, if not longer. Um, but it's funny that Dave went on this walk as kind of just not throwing a dart because we had hunted there. But he's like, you know, I'm going to poke around. Let's go back down to this piece and, and figure it out. And sure enough... Um, 
it produced in, in, in a big way as far as we, we've been walking a lot of miles and really just haven't had the luck on sheds this year. Me personally, I ended the year um, at this point. Oh, I've walked north of 70 miles, two sheds, and both those are the dogs found. And both were, you know, chewed, shredded. Um, one was a good one. One buck was a solid, oh, probably uh, 130-plus deer. Um, the other was just a, a two-and-a-half-year-old that, that Paisley found, and it was shredded. But it's like that little extra effort, and this is it kind of reflects to that podcast I've already talked about, where a little extra effort kills deer. And here Dave drove down there solo, um, just went for an evening walk, not an all-day affair, and boom, three sheds. And that just, like raised the team morale it like it kind of like shaved it saved shed season for us you know it, it's a confidence booster it, it does make us wonder a little bit more about that piece so uh we're gonna oh we'll probably you know throw a couple hunts at it um being the big woods we probably won't touch it until um oh mid to late october it's not something i i don't think we're going to spend time early in the year on but uh you know, the big woods is something I'm always fascinated about. Um, and obviously, if we look at a couple of our histories there, we found found some um, oh some sheds there. We don't see a lot of deer there, but we seem to be finding some good caliber deer. So maybe a little more time in this piece. Uh, his walk continues, and he finds a bruiser of a shed. I mean, um, solid mass, not necessarily the highest scoring deer, but just solid, you know, like definitely a, a good buck a shooter for us um and at this point you know he's found two uh two sheds and and he's poked around i think a couple miles at this point uh primarily looking oh at at vantage points upper thirds um looking for those habitats of maybe a little more green briar and, and browse uh tad thicker cover than than just big woods open timber but uh, he's heading to the truck and finds another shed to a, to a little bit like kind of wider spindlier deer. And they, again, another shooter for, for us. So we are just jacked um, with one walk. And one walk literally changed our shed season. So cool. Um, it, it's, you know, it's something that we definitely uh, are going to incorporate next year. Um, and like I said, we've had a, we had a bruiser on trail camera there. This has been, oh, eight years ago. Uh, I really, I don't think I've hunted this piece in the last three or four years much. I threw one sit last year at it. Um, but th this kind of leads into um, another kind of topic or conversation piece. And obviously due to this, these shed finds, I, I was like, you know, I know a guy named Heath Cisco who films with Whitetail Addictions. And obviously Whitetail Addictions, I get a lot of exposure to these guys that are next level killers. Uh, these guys uh, have been doing it now at a high level for several years, and uh, I've got a few of them right here in the backyard. Um, there, there's Justin, um, there's Mike, there's Heath, all live in Ohio, all live within, uh, Mike and Justin are probably 35 to, and eh, Justin might be 45 minutes from my house, but the other guys, um, Heath's, you know, to the south, but perfect guy to call and, and kind of have a conversation with him and um you know i feel like it was a it was a good conversation worth sharing here on the podcast and uh heath is a guy i'm definitely going to have on once this coronavirus stuff uh kind of you know we move past it or, or become more effective uh, at treating it and it's not the big scare 
Um, but I thought it was worth mentioning a lot of my big takeaways. Uh, I'm, I'm in that evolution stage. I think guys listening to podcasts that are searching, oh, for information or like-minded individuals, um, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm a decent guy to ask good questions and follow up questions. And, um, you know, I'm somebody who's, who's, who's looking for, for answers and understands these guys have done it longer. They're, they're, they're much wiser than half the guys on Facebook. I find when I have these kind of like podcast type discussions or, or just call these guys in general, I can get way more out of it than a Facebook post because I posted this the other day. I was like, Hey, looking for some uh, information around running trail cameras in the big woods. And the first guy, uh, and I, I listed, uh, PA Midwest Big Woods, um, cause PA can be similar to Ohio. And the first guy to comment was, uh, Dan Johnson and, and no offense to Dan. Uh, if I was looking for farm country trail camera inventory, I, Dan has spoke about trail cameras for years, but it's all in farm country. And obviously my question was very targeted towards Big Woods. Uh, the following comment came in and it was, you know, what type of Big Woods, what type of habitat and valid question because, you know, I'm sure there's a huge difference between, say, like the West Virginia PA uh, soft mass, big, big timber type habitats compared to what I'm seeing here in southern Ohio, southern Indiana, north Kentucky uh, type habitats. So Heath uh, gave him a call. He knows the counties and, and some of the, the areas I'm hunting. He has uh, permission and has grown up in southern Ohio all his life. Um, so he, he can speak to my exact questions and, and he's killed enough bucks to know what he's doing. He, uh, he hunts them down there. He does spend some time in farm country. He kind of hunts a mix of big woods and then where the big woods meets the egg, spends some time in, in other States as well. He killed a bruiser, um, like a 180 drop in Illinois this year and, uh, a good buck late Ohio in, in, in the big woods area. Um, so you know, first I kind of started asking him about, um, trail camera data. And, you know, I feel like that's something that I am always an area of opportunity in my arsenal is running these trail cameras, especially like in the summer in the big woods. I'm like, you know, obviously once season starts, I can, I can scout, I can throw them on rub lines, uh, scrapes, uh, Creek crossings. And I have run them on Creek crossings and stuff in the summer in the past or main trails going to hay fields and, that's all great, but here, no offense, that takes like an hour to hang one trail camera. And so I want to be efficient and, and look at, you know, what he's done. And he was telling me that um, a lot of these deer in big woods environments where we're, we're talking um, not a lot of ag, very minimal ag, sometimes zero ag, but there's the occasional hay fields, um, clear cuts, stuff like that. But he says those deer um, will migrate, you know, anywhere between two and 10 miles in the, in, in Southern Ohio type habitat where, you know, a deer can summer, I'll take like the Ohio river. Um, if you drive down, like, I think it's route seven, you can see ag land all along the bottom because that's where it's flat. That's where probably the soil is a little better and you see agriculture and, um, you know, those deer will, will, will essentially summer there and then they will bleed back into the, 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 the big hills, the hollers, the clear cuts, some of that timber habitat towards uh, late August, September. And obviously, like Heath pointed to this time as, as a, oh, 
that's a, an area lots going on in the whitetail world. You have the beans are starting to turn, which is obviously a huge summer uh, food source for whitetails. Uh, velvet is being, you know, uh, shed, and then the acorns are dropping. So there's a lot going on in that time period. And so I was asking Heath about running summer trail cameras in the big woods, and I was explaining to him my time, and, and he kind of knows um, my day-to-day -day life and stuff like that. And he goes, you know, you might be just best to, to focus your your summer trail camera efforts and time in your um, in your farm country uh, because it's easier and, and you can get a gauge on inventory by putting those cameras on bean fields or good trails going to the beans or it's just a lot easier, um, frankly. He said in the big woods, you could be having trail cameras, especially on public where you can't excuse me, I got the hiccups, um, where you can't put out mineral, where you can't put out corn piles. Um, you know, it, it's tough to get inventory and those bucks might not even be there in the summer. Um, so I, I, I'm able to ask him about this and I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to run my trail cameras, let me go ahead and, and, you know, I'm personally thinking, yeah, screw the big woods, unless I'm, I'm in that area or something like I may not be making a summer trail camera trip, if you will, May, June, uh, to put those out. I may, I may let those things do their thing. Um, or, um, or just not even put them out until, uh, September. Um, or when I go into hunt the, these areas and are and doing some scouting at, at that point. So I thought that was interesting. You talked about this big migration, this shift that, that can occur, uh, with these big woods type deer. And, um, uh, you know, and I, I've heard some people talk about it, um, that the, the obviously big woods deer are a little more nomadic and, and that talk was always centered around in season and stuff like that. But to hear him speak on, on the summer shift, I think, um, that's something that I'm going to kind of incorporate and look at a little, little more serious. And so I did ask him though, okay, if you're going to run trail cameras in the big woods, you can't do corn, you can't do mineral what would you, what would you do? And he talked about, um, these, these seeps or these springs, um, in the hillsides, um, of these big woods hills, because in somewhere in August and July, he feels, you know, you go through a drought of a couple of days and those bucks, they know where they can go get that drink at. And traditionally he said, if you've got a seep that is, um, a tad lower, he feels that those deer tend to stay a little lower on the hills. Um, he feels, you know, it could be because it's cooler because it's shaded longer in the mornings. Um, it catches shade, you know, in the evenings. Um, maybe a little more wind flow low, uh, at least in the summer. So, yeah, seeps, springs, stuff like that that's uh, um, in the in the big woods where you could run some trail cameras, get some summer inventory of them stopping in to, to get a drink. And, you know, I think that, that was a cool conversation piece and, and something I need to note but I'm sitting here, if I look at my Onyx maps, I haven't marked springs and seeps for the last however many years I've been keeping notes on Onyx. Um, so I don't have the ability to pull up my phone right now or my maps and be like, okay, this this particular spring here is is not very far from the road. I could run in there, throw a trail camera. I don't have that detail at this point. Um, so next off season, when I'm spending the time in the timber, I think that's a that's a new pin that I'm going to start dropping on my Onyx maps or, or whatever mapping system you use. I don't, I don't care. Um, we floated back and forth between them all, but kind of settled on Onyx right now. Um, moving into, oh, uh, talking about trail camera summer inventory. Heath obviously is hunting some private farms, um, 
uh, even hunting some stuff that butts the public. But he talks about, you know, he can run the corn and the mineral. All he needs is a picture. Um, that picture is huge as far as the intel. He doesn't necessarily need that buck to be there every day. Uh, he just needs a glimpse. And then he can kind of know, based on his, his off-season scouting, uh, the best funnels, the best doe um, bedding areas, uh, the food sources. It will determine where he hunts that buck at that point or how does like zero in on his search at, at this point. All right. What else am I going to talk about here? Let's talk about acorns. So I did ask Heath a little bit about, um, you know, when do you start putting trail cameras out in the big woods or how would you go about it knowing uh, I'm a busy guy, I still want to kill big deer, um, but schedule obviously is everything. I, I don't hunt for a living. And we got on the topic of obviously that late August, uh, September time frame, um, going in and putting uh, trail cameras on those oak flats or the better oaks of that year and and you just need a picture of that deer uh, and I asked him because my first thought when hearing this is like are you concerned about educating that buck um, you know either bumping him or just educating him really you you you, uh, you know I I've always been afraid of what my grandson is doing and, and what's going on there and he said obviously if you can tiptoe great um you know, if you've marked areas that are possible bedding points or areas uh, of concern as far as beds, sure, avoid those areas. Uh, he said, but, you know, you can go in there similar to a squirrel hunter and be on the move. And obviously you don't want to walk right through a, a bedding point. But if you can approach from the bottom, come down a different way uh, and get into those better oak flats or uh, especially I'm thinking in a year where there's not a lot of mass, um, you know, a lot of oaks dropping where they're few and far between. If you find the, the, the areas the deer are using, you could probably get a, a good inventory um, in that early September time frame. Um, and that's what he said. He said, go in there late August. Um, you could even do it on a rain, he said, if you wanted to. Uh, but if it's Saturday and it's, October, it's August 20th and you know that everything's going to start shifting here in a week, um, you could go in there and take your binos, glass the trees that, that kind of have them, or at that point, you know, you can, you, they're starting to drop. That's even better. And you could hang a camera or two in the, um, in the big woods and then check it, uh, either around the opener, or maybe the first week of October, uh, to, to see if there's a, a good one in the area. So that, that's something that I'm definitely like holding on to definitely going to, uh, deploy or use in, in my hunting strategy you know you could even make a day of it you could uh go and, and squirrel hunt and if you you come across an oak flat um in the big woods and you could hang a camera up there and um check it then even if you don't check it until october 20th to kind of know there's a good one in that area and and rut hunt him essentially but you know in the big woods sometimes it's just tough to get uh, a good inventory on, on bucks, um, find those areas, a, a concentration and something else that I kind of, uh, wanted to piggyback off this, this thought or method is I do plan to, you know, maybe, uh, if I step out the woods, I listened to this on a, on a podcast, I think it was, a uh, East meets West. And obviously he has a lot of, oh, mountain PA guys on the guy said, you know, when I leave a, uh, the truck to do a scout or a, do some trail camera work. He said, I always take two to three trail cameras. He goes, if I leave the truck with just one, you know, I, I may not get it out because I might be holding it for that perfect spot, that perfect 
uh, trail, that perfect um, scrape. And if you go on your scout and you don't find it, then you get back to the truck and realize you never deployed a camera. But if you have two or three, you almost feel like you can burn them. Or, hey, this is a pretty good pinch, one good track. Hmm, go ahead and throw the camera up. Knowing you got a second one in case you come across a really good rub line or scrape. And, and so, like, I've talked about this um, in my trip. Oh, I forget what podcast, but I think I'm going to, you know, I, I, I've, I've gone through this the last year having trail cameras, moving them during season. But, you know, having two or three soldiers ready to go um, may not be a bad t- idea for me, especially in the big woods where I could throw one on a creek crossing and then change elevation or habitat and uh, throw another one up. Um, and and I, I find myself more and more just spending more time scouting than necessarily hunting. So that's something I think I can take away and, and use and um, definitely add to my, to my arsenal. Um, so I continued obviously talking to Heath and uh, we got on the, the topic of um, oh buck sign and, and rubs and, and bedding and, and you know he, he brought up an interesting point that he feels in farm country the deer leave much more sign compared to the bucks in say hill country and he doesn't necessarily know why or how uh, obviously you know it's it's but I thought that was interesting. And I noticed in some of my scouts, it just seems like some years, um, you know, these, these, these big woods hills, they're tore up. Other years, you can walk it and you're like, dude, there was two scrapes and five rubs in this 100-yard section the other year, and there's zero this year. Um, so I wonder if that's, uh, you know, something that I may look at, at adding to the arsenal and, um you know, I listened to another podcast the Whitetail Legacy guys had on. Uh, some guy killed a, a good buck, and the, uh, the Legacy guys, could like, oh, mirrored his thought, but they killed a good buck, and there wasn't necessarily a lot of buck sign in that area. Um, but it was, it was, you know, there, there, there was the trails, and it was the place to be. And sure enough, the Legacy guys said, yeah, our best stand, there's not a lot of buck sign around um, on a certain piece they hunt. So... I think uh, I think that's something to just kind of put in the back of the, in the mind and, and use for myself because uh, the last couple of years I've been really hammering. I I, I want to hunt with confidence, and, and one of those ways I have confidence is if I'm seeing a good rub, especially if you see a good rub or, or scrape from the stand. Like I feel way better, you know. But maybe in the big woods, I kind of got to look at okay, if Big Buck is is on his feet today, I may not have a rub in sight, but if he's crossing anywhere in this hill, this is the best. Oh, terrain feature to funnel him in, or this is the best oak in the area. He may be a hillside over, and it may be shredded over there, but here is the best oak from at least my current intel based on scouting, and I may be able to kill him here. Um, the other thing that we we kind of talked on, and and this is something that goes into to the evolution. He said you can, you know, I, he knows I'm obviously very close with Cody and Andre, and spend a lot of time at. Um, doing what I do with custom gear. And, uh, he said, you know, in the big woods though, you can, you can kind of get away with hunting stuff, um, again and again, uh, not necessarily hammering a stand, but don't be afraid to, uh, spend a, a, you know, hang a set and, and really ride it out, especially in the rut when those, those bucks, um, you know, they're not on a day pattern. Those, those bucks, you know, they're, they're, they're more nomadic in the big woods. And I remember this year I was hunting, and I walked through an area and I, I, I caught a pretty good rub line, you know, better rubs connecting two areas. And sure enough, I, I called, uh, 
uh, a buddy of mine, Justin, I said, dude, like, I, I feel like I just polluted it, you know, with walking through there. Um, you know, ground scent, that is something I'm, I'm always thinking about. Um, maybe it's because the last couple of bucks I've shot have literally caught my ground scent as the arrow's going. But, you know, Justin kind of put confidence with me that it said, dude, you know, where you're hunting, those bucks are not necessarily through there every day. And that's your biggest lead. Um, don't be afraid to go in there and, 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 and hammer hammer those couple of locations out. Yeah, you're not hunting the same tree, but at the same time, you know, that, that sign's telling you to hunt there. Those, those, those deer might not have passed through there. It's just a matter of grinding it out. And I've heard a, oh, I listened to, I think it was an outfitter out of uh, the state of Maine. And they talked about um, Maine doesn't have a lot of bucks. But they have got some slammers living in that those those big woods those 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 the guy described these deer as heavy big bucks, um, and he said the the outfitter a lot of times would take a terrain funnel during the rut, and he would put a guy in there for like five to seven days, and he said the guys that were successful um, were the guys coming from like PA and like guys that could just mentally grind a stand out knowing. That buck sometime in the week of their rut is going to pass through that pinch or cruise that shelf, and that stands there for a reason. So so that's something that I think I need to uh, adapt more of. I think in the past I've always been, i got to move, i got to move, i got to move. Well, I think that's a, a, the tactic, especially to use in farm country. And don't get me wrong, I'm still going to be moving and, and shaking, but... You know, if I hang a stand and it's hot, I, you hear uh, even Cody talk about if a stand's hot or you got that pinch that kills every year, well, hunt that pinch or hunt that stand until it goes cold. So so I kind of need to maybe adjust a little bit of my, my thinking on that. Um, kind of to wrap things up with Heath, I, I wanted to ask him about clear cuts and, and cuts in general because, you know, my buddy Larry, who does some deer habitat work, um, He's kind of a blend of a forester meets a deer hunter. Um, probably one of the best habitat uh, guys in my phone book because he is a deer hunter first and a habitat guy second. So um, sometimes you talk to these forester guys and they're forester first and deer hunter second or habitat first and deer hunter second. But uh, anyways, you know, over the years I, I've kind of been keying in on cuts and, and you know, I, I'm by no means an expert at, at aging clear cuts, but I can walk them and tell you, okay, you know, this is a bunch of, of smaller trees. Um, you know, there's not as much grass type habitat or, or browse or, or, or stem count. Um, and then I can walk by another cut that was, was done in the last two years. I'm like, dude, it's impossible to walk around. And, and so I wanted to ask you, I said, what do you see about clear cuts and cuts in general with deer? And and uh, he goes, man, I'll tell you what. He goes, they just love them. He said he can recall a 200-acre cut that held a, a significant amount of deer in the in, in a county. And I said, well, what about, like, how, you know, what about, like, big bucks being able to navigate those clear cuts? And how's that work with the rack? And he said they figure out kind of the um, the better trails for them. Obviously, it's going to hold does. And, um, Dave and I discussed too, like a clear cut or a big cut in general, that's a sanctuary. Those deer can get away from gun drives. Uh, they can survive in there. Uh, there's extra food. And anyways, getting back to the clear cut talk with, um, with Heath, I said, you know, it's just like, man, don't you think like their racks would like, would get tangled and, and, you know, wouldn't be able to, to negotiate it. He goes, I have seen 
he said, in particular, uh, I have I, I was glassing a 170 caliber buck, walking a clear cut, living in a clear cut, knew he was there, stayed there um, at least uh, the year Heath hunted him. But he said he visibly watched this deer get tangled in Greenbrier in its rack, have to back up several times, like on the trail it was on, just to kind of get through it, and then meander and continue to browse and, and kind of go about its day. And uh, that obviously isn't the only buck that Heath has seen in and around clear cuts. And, and you know, for me, that was more of just a boat of confidence to keep keep going after these cuts. I, I have found some sheds. Um, I find significantly more sign in those those clear cuts. Um, watch deer run into and, and out of cuts for the last couple of years. But to, to literally have that conversation with Heath and be like, dude, I, I physically watched a a Booner caliber buck put up with getting its horns, you know, caught in Greenbrier. Well, I'm like, okay, say no more, sir. Like I, uh, you know, it's just a boat of confidence. I, I, I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've, I've, you know, talked to enough guys that, that know what they're doing. Um, but it was just a cool story around that and just kind of a, a boost of confidence for myself, uh, uh, around hunting clear cuts and stuff like that. Um, as, just to wrap this thing up, as for the whitetail experience, I actually, um, I will plan to do a YouTube video soon on the cable aiders from Lone Wolf Custom Gear. I just got those installed over the weekend. Um, I used one of the sticks yesterday to retrieve a camera. Thank God it was there. Um, but the, uh, the the cable aiders, how I plan to use those, uh, I'm debating on, on ditching my, my big sticks maybe and, and just running four of those with uh, – Oh, four of those cable aiders because then my sticks essentially become long sticks. But I got to do a little more testing and see what I like, see see what I'm thinking about. I've also contemplated running like, oh, on like a scouting type mission. Uh, let's say that DS5 or the ambush and like three double sticks with all with aiders and just being super light and compact. So I got to do some testing. Um, look for a video on that soon uh, on our YouTube channel. I just put out, I think, two pieces on, on some of our scouting um, and, and kind of final, oh, we found some sheds, so we could uh, we could make a video out. I really think sometimes these video logs um, out there on YouTube land get a little, uh, a little much where you have so many of them out there, but yet there's just not necessarily a lot of substance in to them and, and finally after finding some sheds I could connect a few of our our scouts and 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 speaking points to, to kind of have a better conclusion to our overall videos so be sure to check those out I appreciate you guys tuning in listening um, by all means uh, send us a comment a Facebook uh, you know comment uh, Instagram comment if you like these what you maybe want to hear more of I'm gonna try and get some guests lined up once this COVID stuff uh, hopefully dies down but uh, in the meantime team hardware and bucks we're out